This podcast is produced and managed by Kangaroo Fern Media Lab, Australia's independent video and podcast company. We do the podcasting hard bits so you don't have to. We make podcasts easy. Book a call at www.kangaroofern.com. www.kangaroofern.com. This podcast is produced and managed by Kangaroo Fern Media Lab, Australia's independent video and podcast company. We do the podcasting hard bits so you don't have to. We make podcasts easy. Book a call at www.kangaroofern.com. www.kangaroofern.com. A Gorilla Podcast Syndicate Production. Biggest thing we can do is just get stops and run. Stops and run, guys. Push, push, push every time. Extra, extra, extra session with Kiko Malikdera. Tackles everything about the world of sports, especially the one close to the host heart, basketball. Updates, discussion, clarification, name it. Extra session has it. Extra, extra, extra session with Kiko Malikdera. Okay, so good day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Extra Session with Kiko Malikdem here in Guerrilla Podcast Syndicate, Philippines. Today, we are very fortunate to have with us a basketball icon here in the Philippines. He has played for the Alaska Aces franchise for about 12 years, when he became the team's resident import and he has also won the best import award and is one of the only two recipient of the PBA Mr. 100% award. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Sean Chambers. Sean, good day. Thank, thank you for you, joining thank us. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, marami, marami, Paul. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Um, I'm always happy when I can give back and reach back out to my Filipino fans and I appreciate all the continuous love that have sent my way even beyond my retirement. Um, okay. So I'm, whenever I can come and share, I'm so happy. Yes, like what I said, I'm happy you were able to join us. What's keeping you busy nowadays? Um, so right now what I do, I work at a middle school. I run as I'm a dean of students at a school, believe it or not, you know, from the basketball court into the um, academia world where I'm working with middle school kids who are seventh and eighth graders in a part of Sacramento, which is a little bit less privileged, a little tough neighborhood, mm-hmm. but I love the work that I do. Uh, we work with kids and try to get them prepared for high school and onward to college. Mm-hmm. And then I, I, I run a girls uh, club basketball program here in Sacramento called Just Police Sports, um, a program I started uh, about 15 years ago, which is now grown over wow. to 150 kids in the program. And I coach at a high school, uh, a, a women's program at a high school. And, I'm now probably going to venture over to the boys' side and um, try my luck trying to create uh, the next PBA imports in the Philippines. I see. So basically, you you haven't been away from basketball after retiring playing basketball. <laughs> no, not at all. Basketball is my is my love. It's it's really is my love. It's what I do. It's like second nature. Uh, I've been actually very 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 lucky that the Uwe Kinsu family and the Alaska family continues to 
keep me close to the organization. Mm-hmm. I usually come back to the Philippines about once, maybe sometimes twice a year to continue to work with Alaska and mm-hmm. some of our young guys and some of the veteran guys and to continue to push the message of how we did business when we were playing there uh, in the great 90s. I see. So let's talk about your colorful, colorful basketball career. How did you actually start for you? Where did, were you really a basketball-loving guy or when you were still a small boy? So younger, during my middle school days, I was really a baseball guy. So I was going to play baseball. And um, I really loved the game of baseball. Then um, my family, we kind of moved a lot. We went from one neighborhood in South Sacramento. We moved eventually, after a few years, to the northern mm-hmm. part of the Sacramento area where baseball was big in South Sacramento. But then on the north side of Sacramento, um, a lot of the kids were really super into basketball. So once I first got my first taste or um, of, of a basketball game with a high energy, and as you know, my game in the Philippines was so high energy and so much effort and energy, mm-hmm. um, I fell instantly in love with basketball. So I grew up at a school called Highlands High School, where I ended up going to high school. And um, it, it was pretty famous for having really good basketball players. I see. And you played for the California Polytechnic State University for two years. Yes. Yeah. And what was your position in that uh, team? So you play, you play what position? I mean. So when I got to, to college uh, at San Luis Obispo Cal Poly, um, mm-hmm. I was more kind of we had like we played like three guards at a time. And I was kind of like the third guard, okay. um, kind of the bigger guard uh, position, a little mm-hmm. small forward, uh, being six two listed in in college. But mm-hmm. I, I really mastered my game around the basket. I was able to penetrate and have a great uh, post-up game uh, to be effective uh, at that level. And um, two years in a row, I was the league MVP while I was at Cal Poly University. And I was also um, a basketball All-American mm-hmm. there. So um, I had a great, great career. Before then, I went to a school called Cuesta College, which is a junior college in the same community as Cal Poly. So we were, we're in the same city. So I just matriculated over to the university level after my two years at the GAC level. How hard – you said you were playing near the basket, around the basket. Yes. So yes. how hard is it competing against the Giants considering your, your height is small for, your, for that playing position? So what happened with me was mm-hmm. uh, I was able to be match problem. So mm-hmm. when there were big guys that they tried to cover me with um, – I would pull them away from the basket, and then I had the expulsion to penetrate or create off the dribble and go to the rim and go by them. Uh, and I had a good enough mid-range jump shot off the backboard mm. that I had to keep them respectful. They had to come out a little bit to the basket. But naturally, um, when you do a matchup, you would try to put a guy on me in college, in, even in the Philippines, mm-hmm. that were the same height as me. Yes. Well, a guy that was the same height as me, I felt like I've always had the – advantage because of my jumping ability i was mm-hmm. able to jump over them or create post-up moves because uh it was something that i mastered was creating a post-up uh game when i was growing up so just for clarification i was reading something about you and is it true that you were asked to try out for the u.s team in the olympics okay some of that is true some of this kind of like <laughs> uh folklore no so what it is is um i high jumped seven one in and in, in college wow Okay, so when you jump seven one, there's a height um, qualification mm-hmm. that gets you invited to the trial. Okay, mm-hmm. no so sure. you just have to. No matter where you are, if you're in high school, college, or now jumping professionally, mm-hmm. if you had jumped seven one at that year, you were invited to the trial. Ah, I see. Anybody, um, but 
there were guys that were jumping seven seven at the time, you know. So I was not close to them. But <laughs> for for what I did in high school and what I did in my junior college level, it was it was pretty remarkable because I think I still have the record at both at the high school and at the junior college level of jumping seven feet. Uh, you know, and, and I was a guy that was six two listed. You know, yes, that, that's pretty high up there. Most high jumpers are about like six seven, six eight, yes. six five. They're pretty long. That's um, pretty but, impressive for your height. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. So I had to really get up the ground and get over that bar. To, and I wasn't a, I wasn't a, a real prolific high jumper. Mm -hmm. So I never really, I never really had a, a like a high jumping coach or mm -hmm. really train a high jump. What I did was took my basketball skills when I go and reverse dunks and stuff mm -hmm. like that, and my jumping ability from basketball. I just used that to get over the bar, but I never had the scientific run up and the come over the back and all those things. I never mastered all that. I was just a really, really good jumping. I could really leap over the bar. Yeah. I see. So after college you were part of this IBA team, if I'm, if I'm yes sir. Yes. That visited the Philippines for a pocket tournament. And this yeah. began your journey in the Philippines. How were you selected to be part of that team? So uh, I tell people all the time my journey to the Philippines is somewhat of a miracle. It really is. It, it really is. Like, God has really placed his hand on me and brought me to the Philippines and made the Philippines part of my home. Mm -hmm. um, I go to a tryout in Los Angeles, and there was a tryout about 300 basketball guys there. Mm -hmm. 300. 300 guys were at the gym. They were only going to take five to ten guys from our tryout. Mm -hmm. And then we had to go to Fresno, California, for the overall tryout to tour. Yes. But you had to make this cut. Mm -hmm. So – out of 300 guys in the gym, for whatever reason, I had pretty much a standout performance. Not a guy a lot of people knew because I went to a small university in Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. Mm -hmm. um, I made the cut. They invited me to Fresno. I get to Fresno. And I get to Fresno. Then there's another 40 guys there. And out of those wow. 40 players there, they're going to take 12 that's going to tour Korea, Japan, Hong Kong, and then we our last stop was in the Philippines. Wow. So it, it was it was remarkable. You know, if I had one bad day or two bad days in mm -hmm. LA, you don't make the cut. And if I had one or two bad days in Fresno, you don't make the cut, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. So I for whatever reason, you know, God bless me. I had really good performance in Los Angeles. Then I got to Fresno, had a really good performance in Los Angeles. I mean in Fresno. And then I made I made the team. I wasn't supposed to make the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now when I make the team, we, are, we have a, a game in Seoul, Korea, right before the, I think it was the uh, 88 Olympics or something like that was at that time. Uh, so they just opened up the arena, the, the big uh, Olympic dome. We were able to go in there as guests, as tourists. Okay. So I remember that vividly. But the, the cool part about it is when we played in Korea, the games were on ESPN in, mm -hmm. in the States. Is one of the first basketball games on ESPN Network um, overseas. Okay. I have a copy of that game. Wow. The copy of that game, yes, <laughs> I watched it. I, I watched it um, about a month ago when all the COVID stuff hit. I watched it about two months ago. And um, it was so cool to watch because it showed that my work ethic, my energy, and the way that I played the game, mm -hmm. it was contagious that it always got me favored with the coaches I played for. Mm -hmm. So meaning when I watched that game, I played probably more than any other of the guys on the team by far. Mm 
mm-hmm. by far. And, you know, it, it, it showed a testament for a guy who tried out for a team when he was supposed to make the team. And I think I scored about 20 or 21, 23 points in the game. Mm-hmm. First game on ESPN you know, in <laughs> Korea. And then, then right after that, we went over to Manila. Okay. And that – they, and the rest is history. Now, how did your relationship with Alaska begin? Were there other in- teams inquiring about your availability? And what made, um, what was the factor that made you say yes to Alaska? Um, honestly, so when we went over to Korea, I mean to Manila mm-hmm. after Korea, uh, the guy uh, Ray Hall, Ray Hall ended up playing for Pure Foods. He kept telling us a lot about the Philippine basketball. He knew a lot more about Philippine basketball than <laughs> any of us had any idea. Okay. So he kept telling us, if we do well, we perform well, that all of us can leave with a nice contract coming to go back to play in the Philippines. I see. Again, we, we had no idea. We were all just happy to make this tour. We got <laughs> to go see parts of the world we never thought we would visit. Yes. So after the first day <laughs> and the two days in Philippines and after the dunk contest, Mm-hmm. Uh, that you know, against Billy Ray Bates, I became an instant celebrity. <laughs> celebrity, instant celebrity. Yeah. Um, and we all wanted kids to come back to Manila after that. We all wanted to stay and play and get a contract, but nothing came up at that time. Mm-hmm. The following summer, the following summer is when I got a call from Alaska uh, to replace a guy by the name of Carl Lott that mm-hmm. was in yeah. a conference that was six three. Mm-hmm. So I came over. And it was kind of an awkward situation. I came over to replace Carl, but Carl was still on the team. So Carl mm-hmm. was still on the team. And I actually had to practice against him mm-hmm. the first day. Well, the first day I practiced against him, I had a really good practice again. I was really, mm-hmm. you know, God has really touched me and blessed my, my career and my skills. I had a really great game, a really great practice. And, you know, back in those days, you know, the locals, when they felt somebody they can win with and they really like and love, yes. they were just latch on to you. So Frank, you know, I, I was Frankie Lamb, Abby Kadabin, Yoya Billamine, Ricky Rilosa, um, B-Boy Rivanis, um, and then we had the young guys, uh, Bong Alvarez, Rick Rick Murata, Boy Cabahu, and Eric Atamarano. So mm-hmm. those were like the core of my guys, and those guys just instantly were like, my God. We love how hard this guy plays. We want him to – this is the guy we want to play with. Well, we wanted, We went on and had a great run. We ended up winning the third conference, uh, third place. Mm-hmm. Well, they were in last place at the time. Yes. We were in last place when I got them. We ended up taking the third place series, which back then, if you recall, um, we used to have a series. It would be the best two out of three games. Yes. I can, I can still recall that. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, so it was, it was pretty unique. You had – like, just for third place, you had the – Miguel was playing for the Grand Slam. We were playing for third place, and we were really happy with it. <laughs> so, um, so that was – it was it was such a great – you know, such a great memory to, to remember that. And the guys that I got to play with, well, you know, they were legends. Abigail Dobbin, you know, come mm-hmm. on. You know, he's one of the greatest of all time. Yes. Chris Padace, you know, basically. Yes, yeah, yeah. yes. I was actually thinking you were always available during the import-laden conferences in the PBA. How were you able to do it? Because I've noticed teams are actually having a hard time securing imports. Uh, and then, but then here you are, whenever Alaska calls, you are available. Didn't you, didn't you have any problems or other leagues to play? Or were, was there an, uh, an agreement between you and Alaska by the time that they need you, you will, you will always be available? 
Yeah, so what I became smart with, after my second year in the Philippines, mm-hmm. um, I started making sure I would sign a contract with the team before I left. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so I was Fred Tuitinto. I mean, he's he's so dear to me. The family's so dear to me. They really have continued to make me a part uh, in a, of the organization. They've continued mm-hmm. to show me a, a tremendous love way after my retirement. Yeah. So, um, so I would always get to sit down with Fred uh, before I left for Manila. I mean, left Manila to go back home to the states, and I would sign a contract. And Fred would let me negotiate my my own contract. He would let me go ask me how much I thought I was worth and how much I think um, my contract should be without having an agent involved. Mm-hmm. So we, we had such an amazing relationship like that. So what I would do was I knew I was going to return back to Manila usually around August mm-hmm. and then play the third conference. So there was a, there was a stint where I wouldn't play the Venezuela. Okay. So – I would go play Venezuela. I would play in May, April, and I would be done in June because I would tell them I have to be back in Manila in August. Uh-huh. I played in Calgary. I played in Calgary, Canada. Mm-hmm. I played from May till July because I said I have to be in Manila mm-hmm. at this time. Nice. And at any time, if Manila called me like they did during the second conference and a couple of times during the first conference, I let every team that I played for let them know that first and foremost, Alaska is my priority. Playing in the PBA is where my heart is, is where I want to be. So whenever my team calls me, I will be available for them. That's great. That's great. Now, was was there a time that you were doubting your capabilities when, you know, when other teams are, teams are trying to find a way to shut you down? Um, I, I, it came time for me to retire. It was time because mm-hmm. I wasn't able to maintain the same focus that I had back in the day. In my earlier years, uh, my early years, I, I watched some of the videos and I was really an energi- energized bunny. I was, you know, I was, yes. I, was so, I watched these games. And I'm like, man, I was really moving it and I never got tired. And, mm-hmm. and if, and the energy of playing that hard kind of fueled me, it was my, my, it would make me tick. It made me feel good in my soul just to be able to play that hard all the time. And really to, to give to my teammates and my organization that like, that made me tick. That made me feel good within my soul. Uh, but as I, I watched videos as I got into my later years, yes. and I showed a couple things, I realized. And, and, I, and I think like now people have a different perspective of keeping their bodies in great shape, mm-hmm. keeping their bodies um, eating, uh, watching their diet. I, I noticed videos like now when I was watching videos like in 2000 and 2001 that I was not in the same great shape I was mm-hmm. in 96, 97, yeah. and 98. <laughs> yes. But that's kind of the, that's kind of what happens, right? You, mm-hmm. you get a little bit older in age. I was yes. then now 34, 35. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've since then had great success. And what happens to us as athletes, as you have that great success, you kind to, um, um, you may stay on vacation a little bit longer than you normally do. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're you're probably eating at really good restaurants now on a regular basis. Now, yes. you know what I mean. So, so I noticed a video like I watched those videos now, and I wish I could go back in time. Yeah, and just fought as long as I could to stay in the basketball shape I was in '96 and '97, '94, '95. I mean, I was just in just incredible shape back then. Yeah, I could remember there was one conference near the tail end of your PBA career wherein. Uh, 
the announcers were saying you're playing hurt, but still you gave your best. I think sure. that that was the time that I could see on your face that you were trying your best, but you know you're huffing and puffing already. Was that yeah. true? Yeah. Yeah. So it, I don't know what it was. It was bizarre. Like my last year, right before I retired after those five games, I felt like I could never get healthy. I felt like I was always catching like a cold or I was getting sick, and mm-hmm. I <clears throat> I can remember that like just like yesterday. Mm-hmm. I was always not in full great condition. I always got some kind of an ailment. And um, and I could never shake it for a while, you know. Mm-hmm. And then after I took a break and got back home after I retired, I started playing amazing basketball in a couple of little leagues back at home, like pro mm-hmm. league. So I needed that time off to get just in better health, you know, get in better physical health. <laughs> um, but, you know, it was time, though. You know what I mean? Uh, I couldn't retire at a better time. And mm-hmm. even when I retired – it was not the same Alaska team that I grew up with. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. So Johnny Johnny was gone. JoJo was gone. Yes. Ball Hawkins was gone. The Grand Slam core. Yeah. My Grand Slam core that I that I grew up with, that we mm. molded together, mm. had all went different places. So nothing against the guys that I played with during my last career, in my end of my career, mm-hmm. but it just wasn't my guys anymore. Mm-hmm. Yes. Didn't feel the same. So even when you go to practice and you, you go and you work hard, it didn't feel the same as it was with my true brothers. I see. I understand. So you seem to be focused and mild-mannered. Was there a time that you actually got a an altercation on the court with a player in the PBA? <laughs> <laughs> um, no. But I... Would I ever get a guy back if I felt like they kind of got a cheap shot on me? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, especially um, in the PBA during your time. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. But did I do it subtle? Yes. I didn't do it where I put on a, you know, where was the situation where I was like trying to attack a guy or fight a guy. Mm-hmm. I never got in a situation where I was going to fight a guy in the court. Mm-hmm. But if I felt the guy took a, a pretty hard hit on me or like took a foul or like I can remember Terry Sardania. Uh, I can oh, remember somebody. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he, he got a really good foul on me, and it was in a series. And then the very next play, I come down and I give him a really nice elbow, <laughs> and I get I I, I I get called for the foul, and I and I knew I got it good. And then I got called for the foul, and I just remember Tim Cohn saying to me, "Now he goes, are you good now? Is there, are you okay?" <laughs> Coach, he like, <laughs> Coach, Coach Tim was like, okay, did you get him back? Okay, are we good? I like, yes, I'm good now. So Tim knew, like, if somebody really took a cheap shot at me, I would find a way to get them back, but mm-hmm. keep it subtle, not not being yeah. – lose my cool. But, of course, uh, nowadays, when, when you get back to someone, you'll easily be called for a technical foul. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, that was part of the Philippines back then, the mm-hmm. PBA. Like, you had to kind of stand up for yourself. Yeah. And, and the locals guys will respect you can get me back but don't lose your cool you know mm-hmm. yeah. and a lot of the americans lost their cool if they felt somebody cheap shot at them or didn't get a foul call or and that's why they would end up tainting their names you I know see. now in your uh, well were your family and friends surprised to know that you were kind of a big personality in the philippines how what did you tell them or how do you explain things to them? Um, 
my mother and mm-hmm. my sister and my brother, uh, three of my uncles, they 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 came over and visited during my career. Mm-hmm. So they got a chance to firsthand start experiencing it. Mm-hmm. Now we didn't have social media back then, and we didn't have you know all these zooms and mm-hmm. Instagram and Facebook and all that stuff like that at the time. But now they're able to see my career and how it was today, mm-hmm. what it was back then, yesterday, back in the day, because of the new social media platforms. Uh, my kids are somewhat amazed by, it, but they're also like, "That's just dad." No big deal. Your <laughs> uh, your dad is no big deal, and and um, they sometimes are amazed when people uh, from the Philippines go, "Oh my God, is your dad Sean Chambers?" And my kids go, "Yeah." So what's the big deal? Uh, but my family kind of knew because you know we were winning championships. So when we were winning championship, we were able to take all these great visits with Alaska. So my family seen pictures of that, and they see the championship rings. Um, but nothing like today. Mm. Excuse me. Yes. Yeah, just, nothing like today with a social platform. So my kids are able to see all of it now live. Do you, does your kids play basketball? Or have you my, encouraged them to play basketball? To follow yeah, my your son footsteps? Plays, <laughs> my son plays basketball. We would love mm. him. He'd be the future import for Alaska 10 years mm-hmm. from now. Uh, my daughter is an ice skater. But we, we want her to come to Manila And we wanted to kind of do a show or performance at one of the beautiful ice skating rinks in the Philippines. Yeah, once you know, everything is back to normal. <laughs> yes, yes. So I told her when I was back in Manila in November, and they had the what, what games did we? The Asian games we just had there in November. Yes. Uh, And, yeah, I, I believe that was one the, of the quadrennial meet. Yeah. Yeah. One of the well, we when the Gila's team won, uh, with Kim Tim Cohen's coaching the Gila's team. Yeah. Well. Uh, I was there, and they were having the ice skating competition inside uh, uh, the the big mall on Etsa. So yes, um, so I told my take pictures and showed my daughter of it and everything. I said, you know, look, you can, you know, the big shoe mark. They got a big ice skating ring. <laughs> you can come here and be Sean Chambers' daughter and put on a show for it, and people would come. <laughs> right, Diva? <laughs> yes. Come watch her. They would come watch her. Yes, my yes. My daughter put it on the ice skating show. <laughs> And then you'll be on the stands cheering for her. <laughs> right. That's my Now, daughter. Yeah. Sean, what, what advice could you give to someone wanting to follow footsteps of a Sean Chambers? Um, if you want to be successful in the PBA, you have to first and foremost respect the league. A lot of times the Americans come over to get a salary or a contract. But it has to be like you want to be a champion. You want to win championships for your team, your organization, and you want to leave a legacy there in the country. You're not there just to pick up a salary or a contract. Mm-hmm. That comes with it. Um, you want to be um, a great teammate. You want to be somebody who buys into the culture. You want to be somebody who also respects the opportunity you were given to be in the country to be in the Philippines to play basketball. And if you do all that, you will have a, an amazing legacy. I, I, I think um, the import right now for Hinebra, um, he Brownlee. is yeah, Justin Brownlee. Justin is the ideal import for the Philippines. He's in the same mode of Bobby Parks, Norman Black, mm-hmm. Norman Black and myself, where he's respected and he respects the situation he was being put on and he honors that and he respects that 
he doesn't take advantage of it. And you see some of the Americans that come over there and you're like, you're not making a good name for yourself and you're not giving the Filipinos and the Filipino Basketball Association uh, the respect that it deserves that they're giving you. So, and I, and I always felt like, you know, for me, it was that my teammates were amazing. I had the best teammates in the world. Johnny, Joe Laz, Bong, Pudge, Rua Gomez, Chris Bellotto. I mean, you know, we, we loved each other. Dickie Bachman, you know, um, and we loved each other and they loved me because they knew that I, I, I felt this was the PB, this is the PBA basketball association. This is their league. And I'm here to help them be successful and then we be successful all together. And I never want to put myself above them. Right. I wanted to be with them and be part of them. Okay. Now, uh, what was the story? I have a friend actually who sent me a message right now. What was the story sure. of you wearing jersey number 20? Why did I wear number 20? Yes. Be, uh, because of Frankie Lim. Oh. <laughs> True story. Because Frankie Lim, you know what number he was? Uh, number one? Uh, 22. 22. Oh, well, in pure, I, I, I remember Pure Foods number one. <laughs> For Alaska, yeah. he was number 22. Okay. That was my number the whole time growing up. Mm, okay. So, and this is funny. I'm glad you're asking the story. So Frankie Lamb, I was 22 in high school. I was 22 in college. Mm -hmm. I was 22 my whole career. Uh, I don't even know why, but that was always my number. I get to the Philippines, Frankie Lamb's 22. Okay. The next number that was available was that I thought of was because of Ray Hall. Mm -hmm. Ray Hall, the guy that told me all about the Philippines, yes. was number 20. Ah, I see. So, so I'm like, I'll, I'll take Ray Hall's <laughs> number. Okay. I wouldn't know anything about the Philippines if Ray Hall wouldn't have told us about it. That's good. That's good. Now, uh, yeah. Sean, Philippine basketball has been in joyful mode recently with the news of Kai Soto joining the NBA G League. What's your Phenomenal. perspective on this? You, you think you made, I mean, he made the right move by joining G League instead of playing in college? Uh, that's a tough one. Mm -hmm. Um. That's a tough one. I mean, it it depends on how much he feels he's going to get developed in the G League. I don't know. This is all new, right? Mm -hmm. This is going to be – he's going to be one of two guys this is the first time they've – or three guys that ever went straight to the G League instead of going to one year in college at least. Yeah. Um, Kai's got such an amazing potential. He could be one of the first Filipinos to play in the, in the NBA. Um, but it's going to take a lot of development because he's still thin. He's still kind of a – not a big body kid, but he's still kind of a thin, but he's very skilled. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I mean, it's a tough one, man. I think we're going to kind of wait and see, you know, how he develops in the G League. But we do know with him going to the G League, mm -hmm. he's going to play basketball all day long. He's going okay. to train all day long. So that does take away time that he would have to spend, like, in classrooms. I see. Okay. So, but I don't know. I mean, we, <laughs> you know, we're hoping and praying that he does well. Okay. Now, I have – I'll be giving you 24 seconds, like the shot clock. I'll be yeah, giving you absolutely. questions. I, uh, you answer the first thing that comes from your mind, okay? Sure. Here. Favorite PBA player? Uh, local or import? Which one? Both. Um, my favorite import PBA player, I'll say my favorite teammate, Johnny Aberintos. God, Joe Loss is a close one. God, that's a tough one. <laughs> um, my rival would be Alvin Patrimonio. 
Okay. Now, favorite NBA player? Uh, Michael Jordan. Okay. Favorite team in the NBA growing up? 76ers. Who do you think will win the NBA title this season? Um, Milwaukee Bucks. Okay. Player in the PBA that made you say, wow, he's good? Borgel Manessas. Player in the PBA that you had a hard time defending? Alvin Patrimonio. Player in the PBA you had a hard time eluding the defense? Zaldi Ray Lubet and Jerry Cordiana. Now, if we, <laughs> last, last question. If we check your gym bag right now, what are the things that we are going to see that will shock or surprise us? In my gym bag right now, you're going to find what will shock you. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if anything will shock you. It would just be maybe socks and shoes. I don't have anything different in there, you know, or ear pods. Okay. Now, uh, Sean, you have any shout-outs before we end this episode? Shout-outs or uh, someone you would like to say thank you? Um, man, you know, for me, it's always my teammates. It's always the organization. Uh, Tim Cohn. Um, a lot of people don't realize. People like Abu Dhabi had a big influence on my my career there. Mm -hmm. Even when he left Alaska and played somewhere else, I remember Abu telling me, like, the reason – uh, the Uitisu family loves you because you come back every year and you're better and you get better and you get better. Um, shout out to my, 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 my former best friend and, and, and who passed away, Bobby Parks, you know, oh, yeah. I, I've, mm -hmm. I've been watching um, um, his son do what he's doing and his father's name has been amazing. Mm -hmm. um, but ultimately none of us is where we would be without an amazing Filipino uh, basketball fan. Uh, there's nothing like them in the world, period. No okay. fans like the Philippine basketball fans. Okay. Uh, another question sent by my sure. friend. Uh, what was your biggest disappointment in your basketball career? And, of, of course, what was your biggest achievement? Um, my biggest disappointment I can still remember today is mm -hmm. losing our championship in 1990. Okay. So we lost the third, third conference championship to Pure Foods. Mm -hmm. We were up on them zero. two games to zero yeah, yeah and then we lost three games in a row i ah, still yeah. have not got over that <laughs> I, still I remember that, that was not got over. bong alvarez uh, suffered an injury in the third bong alvarez suffered injury yes he did yeah. towards achilles i have not got over that loss oh man and that the yeah. final score in game five was 9998 <laughs> yes yes one point <laughs> yes oh man right. <laughs> so, so to imagine to come back and win the first tournament the next year to mm. win our first championship was big for me. Yeah. But I never got over losing <laughs> that one because it was right there in front of us. Mm -hmm. But you got to go through that hurt to appreciate the success. Okay. And then, on, and then, of course, you know, winning the Grand Slam is – you can't replace that. It's like mm. – it's legendary. It yeah. creates what we – you know, people who – who have legacy forever, like that Grand Slam mm -hmm. championship and playing with those guys um, has created my legacy that it is today in the Philippines. I see. Okay, so that wraps up another episode of Extra Session this week. I would like to thank our guest, Mr. Sean Chambers, Mr. 100%. And thank yes. you so much for spending time with us. It was indeed a great honor to have you in our podcast. And hope we could do this 
again sometime real soon. Anytime. Call me. Anytime. No problem. Thank I you really so much. appreciate it. Again, manami, manami, salamat po. Yes, this has been Kiko Maligdem and in behalf of the Guerrilla Podcast Syndicate Philippines, games are always exciting if there is extra session. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you're notified when a new episode is posted in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or via RSS. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, Rate and review this podcast and share it with your friends. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us. And if you want to know more, check out www.guerillapodcast.com.au or guerillapodcast.com.ph. A Guerrilla Podcast Syndicate Production. We are Independent Podcast Network. We are Guerrilla Podcast Syndicate. Would you like to hear your brand while supporting quality podcasts? Contact us now at advertise at guerrillapodcastsyndicate.com. Are you ready to finally start your own podcast? Maybe you already have one, but need a podcast manager to help you level up. We're here for either. Book a call at www.kangaroofern.com www.kangaroofern.com